this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. What happened to all the interesting talk around here, huh? I mean, I used to enjoy coming in here and listening to a good conversation. Now there's so much gossip, you should all have dryers on your heads. All rise. This is the King's Court. Brought to you by Monster Energy, Window World, and stl-cars.com. Featuring the King, Kevin Slayton. And a good Friday afternoon, St. Louis and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in, Kevin Slayton, with you in the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, King's Court on 590 The Fan, 590thefan.com. Nate Lucas alongside as we bring you our show on a Friday, which makes us happy. It's Saturday Eve, and so that means we are happy campers. Who isn't happy on Friday, Nate? I'm even happier on Friday than I am on Saturday. I know. Friday's the best. It is the best day, I think, uh, going, and the only people that are unhappy on a Saturday Ah, uh, they probably voted a little differently than we do because they're always <laughs> unhappy. They're always they're bitter, and they're mostly named Karen, even if they're male or female or whatever they identify as. They are just hopelessly internally unhappy <laughs> and bitter. <laughs> and I would be too if I was a lunatic. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'd be sitting there saying, "God, why'd you make me a lunatic?" I know, but you know, they give us an they give everyone an opportunity to be red pilled and welcome themselves to freedom and freedom freedom of thought. But oh gosh, such great patriotic thoughts those are. Yeah. You know, they also they, they they also have to understand that we're never going to change, and that they should be they should be if they want happiness, true joy. They would embrace those freedoms. It's a wonderfully free country if you don't listen to them. I've never heard of someone say, yeah, I was so conservative, and now I am just ultra-liberal. Yeah, nobody nobody crosses <laughs> back over there. No, <laughs> not usually. No, it doesn't happen. I guess Liz Cheney, but, you know, she's a Well, she's woman. a very bizarre, and Adam <laughs> Kinzinger, they're two very bizarre people. Hormonal Again, do you, do, you, do you want to start cursing God for making you a lunatic? That's what Liz Cheney does every night. I know. She, she she is a certifiable lunatic. How would you like to be her partner? No. <laughs> <laughs> she might force you to change teams. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, goodness. Speaking of teams, how about the Blues last night? Yeah, I told you, you got to bet on a team that just fired their coach. It's free money. Well, it just shows you how impactful you are or what a good student and listener I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because well, I did. <laughs> you know, on that particular night, it was the right call. But I, I, I think uh, just in recent trends, that seems to be a good play. It really is. I mean, it, it, it's hard to understand or explain. It, it seems unique to the uh, the NHL. It doesn't necessarily happen in other sports uh, that I'm aware of that I've seen, it. I mean, where it would stand out to me. But in the NHL, it certainly seems to be the case. Now, will it sustain itself? I mean, you still can't hide the fact that these players – uh, are just thrown together in a, in a hodgepodge of of ways by uh, Doug Armstrong, and I just don't think, you know, when, when you start losing the core va- the core players of your Stanley Cup champion for no reason, and then you start replacing them with people, and you give all these guys ironclad contracts with no trade clauses, your hand. This team is t- this is this is your team, you know. Like we said yesterday, unless some of them agree to be traded, uh, this is the team the Blues are going to have to. A fight with, and I'm not so sure this is a very good team. 
Yeah, I don't think they're a very good team. I don't think they're very strong defensively. And, you know, even if you look at a couple of instances last night, one in particular that really stood out to me is the end of the second period, like final four minutes. And once again, it's Cairo on the half wall that can't, you know, do something with the puck. And so that enables on the short change there for uh, for Ottawa, they can just keep the puck in. And the good thing was last night, Bennington played up to his standards. So that's the difference right now for a team that's not very good defensively. And, and you sort of thought he would. Um, he was close to, or, or is close to Barubi. I mean, it was Barubi that gave him his chance, brought him up, and all of a sudden he's the backstopper on a Stanley Cup champion, gets a big contract because of Barubi. Uh, so the Chief was uh, instrumental in Bennington's career, and I just thought of all the players last night who's going to play great, it's going to be him. He's going to honor his coach uh, with a great performance, and he did. And that's kind of what you expected, I thought, from him. Uh, as, as you watch the game unfold, the Blues came out with a, with a jump in their step. I think they uh, had 11 of, of the first 11 shots. I think it was 11 to nothing at one point on shots. And so the Blues had the better of the play right out of the gate. And you kind of thought that was going to be the case. The problem uh, that you have is that you've got players like Cairo who after the morning skate, when asked for a comment about the Chief, he said, I have nothing to say. He's not my coach anymore. And so that comment grew legs, and throughout the day it went everywhere viral on social media where he was being destroyed. And then last night I was very anxious to hear the reaction of the crowd and every, first of all, when he was introduced in the starting lineup, he was booed. That kind of gave you an indication of what was to come. And every time he touched the puck, he was booed. And it's interesting because afterwards, he tried to explain his comments from earlier in the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously respect Chief, you know. He's been my coach for the whole time I've been here, right? So and I respect everything he's done here. You know, he's done, he's done a great job. You know, he won a cup, right? So all I really meant was, you know, I'm just trying to focus on my future and you know, focus on what I can do to help my team win. So that's, that's all I really meant. Well, it meant a lot more because he heard the boos he said after the game. Yeah, I definitely heard those. Um, I mean, it's not easy, obviously, but you know, I, I see where they're coming from you know, with how my comments on it. So that's yeah, definitely tough. I mean, you know, I love playing here. I love playing in front of the fans. So. And then came a surprising moment, Nate. He got very emotional uh, with regard to the, the fans' reaction to him. I mean, it's just tough, right? Like, you know, I love playing here, so it's just it's tough to hear the fans booing me there. Sorry. Like I said, I just want to focus on my future and focus on, you know, trying to be a more complete player and, you know, what I can do to help the team win, right? So, yeah, that's just my goal right now. Well, it's not like he was coached because he said a lot of the same things. He just focused on helping the team win and his future and blah, 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 blah. But, um, it clearly bothered him, and he's a young kid. Maybe he'll learn. Hopefully he'll learn. But uh, that was a mouthy response uh, to a simple question where you have a golden opportunity to say some nice things about your former coach, and that's your response. I mean, when I heard that, I thought that he is going to get booed. And, of course, uh, I guess either he underestimated the popularity of the Chief or he underestimated the, the fan, how the fans were pissed off about it all, and they are. I don't care that the Blues won last night. The fans are not happy with Doug Armstrong. Uh, he's the guy now who's in the hot seat. And this team's performance is going to dictate his future here. That'd be my guess. Be my guess, too. Um, you know, I thought Jordan Cairo's comments, I, I wrote on Twitter, I said I thought they were the most asinine comments that I've ever heard <laughs> from an athlete in this town. And I stand by those because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to attack 
Jordan Cairo, his character, but though his his decision to use that phrase was really he just misread the room. And you know, I, I having been around Jordan Cairo in those post game little scrums and whatnot, he is not the best talker. And a lot of times, like I even asked Jeremy Rutherford, who asked him that question at the morning skate, I said, "Was there any context to it?" And he played me the audio of it, and no, I mean he said it right there. I heard him, and so I, I think that now the message was sent by the Blues fan base last night. But I don't think it does anybody any benefit, you know, to boo him for the rest of the week or rest of the season. I mean, you got two home games left on this homestand. And I think the message was sent, but I also look at it now that it was very obvious that the firing of Craig Berube was a direct cause of the impact that it had on Jordan Cairo, and they've got to get him jump-started. Yeah, now, it's interesting to me, and you're right, it serves no purpose to keep booing him, but the point here is he he had it coming. He should have known he had it coming, and you're right, he completely misread the room if he didn't think there was going to be a reaction from the Blues, because as soon as I heard about it, I, I thought, I can't wait to hear what the fans do. And sure enough, they had plenty to say. Uh, it, it was a little surprising. I know he's 25 years old. He is just a kid. But it was surprising to me that he started to cry. Um, I, th- I didn't think hockey players cried, by the way. I know there's no crying in baseball. But I, but I didn't think hockey players cried. <laughs> and uh, here we've got a hockey player crying in the locker room because he got booed. Kevin, as, I- as, I mean, I know guys who played for the Yankees and who played in New York who would think that was just a little bit like a, a simple night's work. I I think he was visibly rattled by the booze. I thought his play last night, you know, if there's one thing that he is as sure about in his game are his hands, and he had multiple times where he looked jumpy and didn't want to control the puck, even on the back-and-forth, back-and-forth goal that he passed back twice to Buchnevich, it was like, what? Since when does Jordan Cairo give up an opportunity to shoot the puck? But I think his game last night, was it was very evident to me that he was rattled by the booze. And Buchnevich said something to the effect that he gave up a clear opportunity. He had the better, a great shot originally, gave up the opportunity to score to get, get Cairo a chance to score. Right. <laughs> Nobody wanted to score there. I know. And even Robert Thomas, he said, you know, he was behind the net at the time, and he was he said to the media, he goes, I was just hoping one of them would shoot the puck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finally they did. Yeah. But after after a lot of back and forth, and then it was an even better opportunity, and it was pretty hard to miss. But, yeah, I mean, uh, that was interesting. And I'm just wondering if there was a confidence lack on Cairo's part, and that's why he passed it back. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I, look, I, at the end of the day – you can be a pro athlete, and I think certain players can feed off of being kind of the antagonist. Uh, but when it's your home crowd booing you, and it was evident, and it got louder every time, and, and at one point he took a holding penalty last night when Tim, uh, Tom Calhoun announced the, you know, the penalty in Cairo's name, the boos really got loud. And I think that got to him. I really do. And I think it was evident also in the postgame when he sort of melted down. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting scenario. Now we'll see how that plays out going forward too. Uh, I would say to Bujnevich, though, don't you, you don't give the puck up when you've got the best chance to score to get your teammate a goal because you feel bad for him. Uh, it's all about winning. Um, I think the score was three to nothing at the time, so they probably felt like they had the game. Although, as we know, <laughs> these, <laughs> these these games are never over, no. uh, as Yogi once said, until they're over. And so that would that was a dangerous thing to do. Uh, I get I get you f- that you've got your teammates back, but you can't have it like that. It's got to be in a different way. And um, 
you know, it looked to me like some of the players did get their Monster Energy drink last night before the game. And by the way, I've been giving you bad information, and I've been saying it's no sugar. Well, that's accurate. But I've been saying it's only 10 carbs. It's six carbs. It's less than I thought. It's 10 calories. That's the beauty of Monster Energy drink right there in a nutshell. Now, that is the one that I drink. That is the Zero Ultra that I drink. Now, the other ones have different uh, collaborations of carbs and sugar and, and everything else. But you drink the one you love, folks. But I can just tell you this. doesn't matter which one you pick. Monster Energy Drink is the answer to giving you the jump start of the day. It's the answer to keeping you at your best, making sure you're at your best, making sure you're focused. It's the most badass energy drink on the planet. And if you want to unleash the beast in you, there's only one way, Monster Energy Drink. I do it with that Zero Ultra. You might do it with any flavor you want, but they all work. It's fantastic in a great way. I'm telling you, somebody stuck it in the Blues locker room last night because they looked like monsters when they came out on the ice. How do you like that, Nate? I love it. That's just well played. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true pro. I did. Uh, I did enjoy that win for the Blues last night. There, there was. We've got another coach that's about to get fired in the NFL, and that would be Brandon Staley. Richard Sherman said last night on the telecast that he wished that the Chargers would make history and fire Staley at halftime in the locker room. <laughs> it was only forty-two to nothing at halftime. What an embarrassing game for the Chargers, and I know without Justin Herbert, but that this has been a long time coming. I think you and I have said it every week, bet against Brandon Staley. He is the biggest clown as a head coach in the NFL, and his his arrogance in defending his tactics are disgraceful, and finally the hammer came down on him and the GM today. Yeah, I was waiting to hear it. You know, I kept looking for it, looking for it, and I never could. I never did see it prior to showtime. So it, it is official, right? It is official. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Staley and GM Tom Telesco both fired by Los Angeles. It, he reminds me of Josh McDaniels a lot. Uh, not uh, Josh McDaniels was not as arrogant as Staley in defending his own uh, positions and, and what he did, but it, it, it's a young coach who you know has a, a great coaching background, but all of a sudden, as a head coach can't seem to put it together. Now, Staley may get another chance somewhere, although I wouldn't expect it very soon. Josh McDaniels took a while, but he got another chance, and uh, he got fired again. It's, it's amazing to me how, how quickly coach – now, in Staley's case, it's three years, so that's not that quick. But hockey sets the tone for the quickest hooks ever in history of sports. But Josh McDaniels is a guy who hasn't made it two years in two jobs. That's incredible by NFL standards. They're not going to keep you around forever if you're not showing any progress. But most times they give you more than that because you're taking over a bad team. If you weren't taking over a bad team, they would keep the coach that was there before you. So it's really interesting that McDaniel seems to set the curve in the NFL of all people. Yeah, I think when you look at Staley, you know this guy was is an analytics guru, and he sold the Chargers – you know, he sold the organization on being the up-and-coming guy that was going to change the game. And I can I can tell you multiple instances, mostly against the Chiefs on primetime games, where this guy is going for it on fourth down when he should have kicked field goals, and he took points off the board, and he cost his he cost the Chargers wins multiple multiple times throughout his two plus seasons as the head coach. Yeah, and when you're the re- when you're the reason your team's getting beat, uh, that's never good. That's going to cost you your job, and it cost him his job. 
And and you know these these are the way this is the way of the world when you're a professional sports now it's a we want results today business. We heard Julian Edelman say the other day about Bill Belichick that he will understand a hard conversation with the Kraft family. And uh, because as a general manager, Belichick had those hard conversations with players, including Edelman said himself when he told Edelman, "Look, you you're coming off ACL surgery, you're 32, you're not as fast. Why should I give you that money?" And now Belichick's going to hear the conversation from the Kraft family. Why should we let you continue as general manager? I can guarantee you that if Bill Belichick stays with the Patriots, he will not be the general manager. That that can't go on. Uh, it has not been a good result. It happens with a lot of coaches. I, I agree with coaches that they should have some say in who gets drafted and who they're going to coach. Parcell said it best when he said if they're going to ask you to cook the dinner, you should at least do, get to do some of the grocery shopping. And I understand that. Parcells is another one, though, who, who was given that power, and it didn't result in Super Bowls. He won his two Super Bowls when he wasn't the GM. So it is. it, it interests me that coaches who you would think would make great general managers, they just, for whatever reason, don't seem to. I think the biggest disappointment in New England is Mac Jones, uh, and Mac Jones seems to have gone the Cairo route, where he's affected like emotionally because he's having a bad year and the team's bad. This guy played for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, two of the toughest coaches around. You'd think he'd be tougher, but he hasn't He hasn't shown it. It'll be interesting as we watch these coaching situations, uh, tick, tick, tick on some of them. On the Missouri front, uh, the Tigers signed another running back. They got a transfer running back in the portal the other day, and now they've signed another running back, and this time – uh, it was late in the recruiting push, but uh, this guy was being recruited by Alabama, had an offer from Alabama. Um, he had an offer from Texas, apparently. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not Texas, uh, Mississippi. And then Nebraska had him committed, and he flipped his commitment to come to Missouri. He's from Texas, had 1,500 yards and 19 touchdowns his senior year. Texas football, as we know, is uh, highly ranked around the country along with Florida and California. And it seems to me that a lot of these great running backs come out of Texas. So I don't know how good he is. His name's Kiwan Lacey. But it's a it's a good guy to get, I guess, as a pickup for Missouri. Their recruiting class isn't ranked what Missouri fans would let you to believe it is. It's And I don't, as I've said many times, and I'll say it again right now, I don't buy these rankings. I think they're nonsense. It's just some nitwit making money off selling it. Uh, they put Missouri at 33rd in the country, 12th in the SEC. 12th in the SEC is not very good. So I don't know what relevance that has, but uh, as Missouri gets set for their Cotton Bowl game against Ohio State in just about 14 days, they got at least a nice little oomph in their running back spot because uh, that's going to be a, a very competitive position next season, losing Co- uh, Cody Schrader. But nonetheless, uh, nobody knows until these guys actually play. And that's been a bugaboo of mine. Another announcement in college football that I really like, Oregon and Oregon State have agreed to play for the next two years, so they're going to continue their rivalry. And I just don't understand these teams that don't. Um, it just it, it drives me up the wall, Missouri-Kansas, and now they're going to start playing again, but not not forever. I mean, that should just be a forever game, don't you think? Yeah, I do. I think some of these games with so much history, they should just be embedded into the fabric of these programs regardless of 
what conference they play in. We've seen so much conference realignment that really when you look at these teams playing in various conferences, case in point, Missouri and the SEC, it's just sort of you look at it and you go, huh? But they should uphold longstanding rivalries. That would be a no-brainer decision for college football. I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas will continue theirs. Um, Texas and Texas A&M will renew theirs. They actually have two rivalries. Texas does. Uh, but if you say to Missouri, you know, a lot of these teams, when they're playing their big guys, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, for instance, in Columbus, it's Michigan week. In uh, Ann Arbor, it's Ohio State week. Who does Missouri play where they say it's South Carolina week? It's Vanderbilt week? I mean, but it's KU week, and that had some teeth to it. And Missouri has nobody in their, on their schedule, nobody in their conference, nobody in their non-conference that they play that they can date back you know, 50 years, 75 years, in Kansas' case, the oldest rivalry west of the Mississippi River. It makes no sense. It's just it's just horrible administrators not understanding the value of what they have and, and not giving a damn about the fans. They've never cared about the fans. They never will care about the fans. They can say all they want and pay lip service to that, but it's nonsense. There isn't an organization around, whether it's college or pro, that gives a rip about the fans, and they never will. They just don't care. They're never going to make a decision based on the fans. It drives me nuts because without the fans, you got nothing. And that's what makes college football college football is the pageantry and the rivalries. The rivalries. I mean, the rivalries are special. And it doesn't matter if Missouri and Kansas are struggling – they're playing each other, and that is a, a something that we always look forward to. Last game of the season, I mean, shoot, I grew up with that. When I went to Mizzou, twice, journalism, law, it was always Kansas. And yeah, Mizzou played Southern Cal. They played Michigan, Alabama, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Oklahoma. But it was Kansas week, and that was always the big one. Alana Friel beat a lot of those top-ranked teams, a lot of them, on the road. But he was terrible against Kansas, and it cost him his job. Imagine having a coach who beat the likes of Southern Cal, ranked number one in the country, Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, Oklahoma at their peak, Notre Dame, Alabama. I mean, he beat them all, but he couldn't beat Kansas. And so he got fired. And that's the way it was. I'm sure that uh, Drink loves not having that rivalry. He doesn't have to worry about losing to Kansas. If you lose to somebody else, okay, no big deal. I'm not going to lose my job. But if you keep losing to Kansas, you will lose your job. And Uncle Al found out the hard way, which was terrible because he was such a wonderful coach and a wonderful guy. Howard Richards just uh, texted me. He said, Illinois and Kansas football are back on the schedule for 2026. 26, yeah, but it won't run permanently. And and that bothers me. And and I I like the, the Illinois game. But that's not the Kansas game. And Howard knows that because Howard played in that Kansas rivalry. Howard knows how important that was. And and that is that's just a different bird for Missouri as a no no pun intended there. But um I just want I just want Kansas every year. And I want him on the basketball schedule every year. It's not that hard. You know, pay attention to the fans. The fans want that game. Fans of Kansas want it, fans of Missouri want it. Fans around the country want it, and you should want it now. Kansas has gotten better. Well, and look at last weekend. There's a precise example of 
you know, it's on uh, ESPN, right. big game, a lot of anticipation, and it's just fun. Uh, that's what you want to go see. You don't necessarily get ramped up for Missouri to play Jackson State and then yeah. to lose to them. <laughs> I can guarantee you Missouri plays Seton Hall tomorrow. Missouri fans aren't making plans to go to the bars to watch that game, but they they all did that last Saturday to watch Kansas. Yeah. A part of that's because Kansas is good, but the other part is it's Missouri-Kansas. And there's just a magic to that, and there's a magic to all college rivalries. You know, if you're in Oregon, you want to play Oregon State. If you're at Ohio State, you're going to play Michigan. It's just the way it is. And now we don't have at Missouri a rival. We just don't have one. They can they can try to fake Arkansas all they want, but it's fake. You know, Missouri just started playing Arkansas when they got to the SEC. They hadn't played them before that. You know, here and there. Don Fro, I guess, came from Arkansas, if I recall. I think that's his story. But um, maybe I'm wrong. I'm thinking of Frank Broyles. Yeah, I'm thinking of Frank Broyles. But you know, it's just it's just not Kansas, Missouri, and I, I'm I just want it. And I wish I wish Drinkwitz would push for it because I think right now in Drinkwitz's position, he's probably got a little oomph to him, and he could go in there and say, "I want Kansas. I, I don't want him just for a few years. I want it." I want it for the next 10 years, and if I'm still here, we'll keep doing it. If I'm not still here, the next coach can decide, but that's what I want. For as long as my contract's here, I want Kansas. Now you got to work the deal out with Kansas too, but why wouldn't they want it? I don't know. It's just, that's that's something I push for all the time. Do you think, and I'm speaking on basketball terms, do you think Kansas has the same appreciation for playing that game as Missouri fans do? I do. I really do. I know a lot of Kansas alums, and they love it. They love the game. Now, they, they especially love the basketball game <laughs> because they're going to win that one. But they, they love the football game too. And there are years when Kansas has, like I said, when Alana Freo was there, um, Kansas had Missouri's number. And there have been other years where they've had Missouri's number. And Missouri's had theirs. But that's the way rivalries go. You know, if you're always beating the other team, you know, Missouri's basketball team has to step up here at some point and beat Kansas before you can call it a rivalry anymore. At least in the old days when Mizzou played Kansas and Norm was there, you could count on it at the very worst a split in the two games every year. But now they only play one time. and You know, and I really don't like playing it in St. Louis next year. I think it's in St. Louis next year, the basketball game. I don't I don't want any more games in St. Louis except for the Illinois game. <laughs> I just I just love the campus atmosphere. So let's let's stop with the football games coming here. Let's play them at Mizzou or play them at the other team's campus, and let's let's have it where it's supposed to be played. And then, as far as basketball is concerned, Illinois has the right with Missouri here in St. Louis. We don't need any more. No games in Kansas City. Sorry, Kansas City. That's too bad. Unless you, I guess you know maybe Kansas, but I'd rather play it on campus. They would say it's good for recruiting. I don't buy that for a second. I mean, it's not like Columbia is seven hours from St. Louis or Kansas City. I mean, it, it, can, can they really tell me that a St. Louis kid who's debating going to picking his school and he's leaning toward Missouri and, oh, well, they played Illinois here, so I'm going to Missouri. <laughs> I mean, it's just nonsense. People come up with nonsense all the time. Well, you know, uh, they played that game in Columbia, so I'm not going there. <laughs> I mean, it's just so stupid. I can't even. There is no logic to it, no common sense to it whatsoever. 
And today's athletes, you know, this generation, they're as apt to just watch something on television and think it's cool as, as opposed to actually going to a game. And yeah, How exactly. cool is it to go to a game at the Dome anyhow? I mean, that's It's a- not. That's my whole point. It's a terrible atmosphere. Yeah. That's the most dank building I've ever seen a game in in my life. I feel like I'm in a hospital. Everything's gray, dark. I'm like, gosh, when when somebody's buzzer going to go off and they need nurses? <laughs> it's just, it's a horrible place. I mean, whoever built that should be shot. It's terrible. <laughs> I, 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 even when the Rams were playing in there, it was just a terrible atmosphere. Thank God the Rams were exciting because nothing else was in that building. But yeah, so where would you rather see a football game? At Fro Field or in that dome? I mean, it's not even close. Not no. even close. Play on your campus. That's why you have a campus. That's why you have a stadium on your campus, to play your games there. That's why other teams have their stadiums on campus. Just stop with that stuff. It drives me crazy. The Illinois game is cool. It is traditional. See, I'm a big traditional guy, as you could probably tell. But the Mizzou-Illinois game, the tradition is, I know they started out on the campuses, but then they decided to play in St. Louis, and then they did it every year, and it's become a staple of the Christmas season. It's tradition. It's not the Christmas season until Mizzou and Illinois play. Used to be the hottest ticket in town. You couldn't get one. And they need to they need to build it up to get to that point again. It's going to take a little bit. Now, this year, Missouri's not very good, so it's, it's, it's probably going to be an easy win for Illinois. But just get it competitive where both teams are ranked again like it used to be. And I think you'll have the hottest ticket in town again. People love that that uh, atmosphere where it's half and half. Hey, that's a fun atmosphere. Now it's half empty. <laughs> <laughs> you got you still got to have good players. All right, uh, our good friends at stl-cars.com are having a good Christmas season. Thanks to some in some ways, thanks to our listeners. Because cars are are flying out of stl-cars.com and it's the most convenient easiest way to make your purchase of a new car, used car, truck, SUV. Now, here are your options. You can go to several car dealerships on a Saturday, bash your head against the wall trying to get a deal, maybe end up with a deal seven hours later. Your Saturday's gone. All of your football watching is over, and you've got a car that you hope you got a good deal on. Or you could go to stl-cars.com, Look at over a 1,000 cars on their website. You might look at 10 on a car lot and pick from the 1,000. SUVs, trucks, cars, pick whatever one you want. Then call or text Don at 314-626-3251. 626-3251. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want to pay for it. The rest he'll do. Now, if you find something on the website that's kind of what you want, but it's not really what you want, call him anyway, text him, tell him, Don, here's what I'm looking for. It's not on the website, but this is what I want. He'll get it for you because he's connected to all of these uh, places around the country with huge inventories, cars, trucks, SUVs. My last one came from Tennessee. I've purchased three through him. My son's came from Alabama. 314-626-3251. Call or text Don after you've looked at the website and done your shopping. STL-cars.com. It's easier than Christmas shopping. Don't make the car buying experience feel like going to the dentist. Make it easy on yourself. STL-cars.com. We'll take a break. We're coming right back in the Monster Energy Drink. STL-cars.com. King's Court. Right after this. 